You're listening to Pop, the History Makers, with me, Steve Blame. As a member of London Beat, Jimmy Helms enjoyed, with his bandmates, a number one with I've Been Thinking About You on the American Billboard charts, and the song also peaked at number one on the Eurochart Hot 100. His career spans many decades, and born in 1941, Jimmy has had a fascinating and eventful life. In the 1970s, he charted with the Godfather-inspired song I'm Gonna Make You an Offer You Can't Refuse, and at 81, he proves that age is just a number. This is one of my most favourite interviews I've ever had the honour of conducting. Everyone gets AT&T's best deal on the new iPhone 14 Pro with the incredible camera. So, people currently listening to comedy podcasts, and people listening to political podcasts, and people listening to true crime podcasts who actually can't stop listening to true crime podcasts and it's ruling their lives. The point is, everyone, new and existing customers. Ask how to get up to $800 off the new iPhone 14 Pro with eligible trade-in. Visit att.com or our stores for details. Terms and restrictions may apply. Jimmy, first of all, oh my God, just seeing you there <laughs> brings back so many <laughs> wonderful memories for me. And this is an absolute pleasure to see you again and to talk to you. So thank you for making the time. Um, oh. You have a fascinating, incredible life and... Um, I don't know, I've been doing the research to this and I wish I knew all that I yeah. know now about you. I wish I knew it <laughs> back then to really be able to appreciate what you've lived in your life. And that is just amazing. Now, one of the most, um, well, it was one of the most fascinating things for me to find out that you are a Seminole, as it's called, is yes. a, well, maybe you should tell me what it is actually. Actually, you were born in Florida to yes. um, a father who was a Seminole preacher. Can you explain what Seminole is? Okay, the Seminoles uh, was an Indian tribe, uh, still is, uh, who uh, I think originated a little bit up in, in the north of, uh, of the eastern side of the United States from Georgia and that uh, area of, uh, of the US. Uh, and uh, during the time of uh, slavery, black slavery in America, uh, the, the, there were bonds that were struck between local Indian tribes and the black community, uh, escaped slaves who were trying to uh, obviously uh, pro uh, gain their freedom and, and find some protection in that freedom. Uh, and so the, the, there was a big, historically, there was a huge uh, association between Indian tribes in America and black people, uh, especially from that period when the uh, all the oppression that was going on with Indians in America, the, the Native American Indians and black people, uh, they sort of uh, found a common ground to, to help to uh, uh, save each other, if you will. So that is the uh, uh, basis of the association by which my grandfather, uh, uh, who was in fact black Seminole, they, you know, Seminoles and blacks, uh, we say uh, integrated, married, and uh, offspring, uh, so forth. So my father would have been, my grandfather, sorry, would have been called a, a Black Seminole, Black Seminole Indian. So tell me about the community itself, because in Florida, there was a, a, a large grouping of Seminoles. And I read that yep. in, in, you know, earlier times, when the Spanish were fighting the, the, the US, 
they yes. incorporated in a sense the Seminole community uh, only to help them fight, I presume. You know, I mean, history yes. is so awful when you know yes. when you read about it. Uh, they and, had a common, and, a common cause, yeah. Common yeah, they cause. had a common cause, and also they had then a common religion because the Seminoles were then Catholic, or they entered the Catholic uh, religion because of that. I think yes. so. Yes. Um, can you tell me about what it was like growing up in in that community? What what it was about? What was different about it? You know, in sort of my terms, what would have been different? Um, it was a very small community, very close knit community. Uh, we were uh, uh, a black family. There were very few black families in this in this town where I was born and raised. Uh, so we were very uh, sort of isolated in, in, in that sense of the word. Uh, my my memories of childhood were uh, uh, yeah you 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 did your work you you did you went to school you did your things but it was a very insulated community because there was a lot of uh, not so nice uh, business going on around uh, in terms of violence and so forth. We heard stories. I had incidents within my own family of uh, people being uh, 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 abused, mistreated and so forth. I uh, experienced it myself. Um, not would I, I survived it, but the fact of survival uh, is, is something that uh, it's a healing process that never ends. So uh, in a capsule, yes, I was uh, uh, in this situation, which I was uh, very anxious to get out of from a very early age, <laughs> if you can imagine. <laughs> and so uh, I was doing everything I could to try and uh, expedite that process to get, to get out as quick as I could. Uh, family and everything, uh, with all due respect to that. Uh, it, it really was uh, a sense of, uh, yeah, to survive, you're going to have to get out of here. And uh, that was uh, my motivation. It was I was also out of there, like, sorry, was... there like a cannon shot, you know, <laughs> boom, I was gone. <laughs> First chance I got. <laughs> it was a matriarchal society, wasn't it? That's what I read today, that it was uh, a matriarchal society and that um, you were born into the clan of the mother. Yes. Um, do you know That's, what clan you were? Oh, uh, we. <laughs> well, no, not so much. I mean, in hindsight, I, 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 I gather more than I ever knew, obviously, while I was there in that experience. Uh, hindsight has taught me many, many uh, lessons, uh, life lessons, if you will, uh, that, 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 that came from that uh, experience. But uh, in terms of clans and so forth, we were we were just sticking together the best we could. The, 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 if there was a clan, it was in the church. You know, my grandfather was a preacher. Uh, we were in church sort of six, seven days a week or nights a week. You know, and some sort of church uh, uh, function going on, and that was as historical uh, is the case with most uh, uh, people of that time of my color of my, my, my race, uh, we were, uh, the church was the, 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 the saving ground. That was the, that was the safe place to be. So when later on you had these stories about churches being burned and bombed and so forth, it was a direct hit on the, the clan, if you will, that, that was the place, that was a sacred place where uh, anybody thought they could gather together 
feel protected, feel as though they were protecting each other to, uh, to, to yeah, to get beyond this situation. Yeah, so. I mean, you mentioned uh, that you were in church a number of evenings a week or five times a week or something like that. I presume yeah. this was also a church where there was gospel music or where there was music and a church where there was singing or was, or I mean, I'm just imagining this in my head. Is that is that correct? Oh. And that's also a place obviously where, you, you know, you could express yourself? Absolutely. Anybody who had anything to say about their daily life or, 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 or daily experiences, good, bad, indifferent, uh, that was an opportunity to do that in church. Uh, you could stand up and say, oh, this happened to me to, uh, yesterday at school, and uh, I want to talk about it because I have, uh, it, 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 it's, it's left scars or whatever. But was, was there singing in church? Absolutely. That uh, was could you tell me about that? Okay. Uh, in those days, gospel music was uh, 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 such an integral part, of course, of being in church. There were uh, 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 gospel groups coming around. Uh, ooh, what can I uh, can think of? Uh, Rosetta Tharp names. If, if you go back and have a look, you'll see uh, these names as being the foundation of gospel music as we know it. Uh, Rosetta Tharp, uh, uh, harmony groups like uh, the, the Five Blind Boys and all of these uh, groups who were coming through to 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 help knit this unit the, the community together were uh, arriving at our church and any on any given Sunday in our church we'd have any one of maybe two or three of these groups standing up to perform with us uh, for us with a guitar maybe a little amplifier and five amazing voices singing harmony that's 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 where my uh, that's the root of my my my, my uh, uh, dreams about singing for for from the very beginning. Is that what, did you actually perform there as well though? Did you actually you know in in a group of in the gospel choir or whatever? What, did you actually perform there in front of people? Was that the first time for you to be to perform? We we braved it, and a couple of cousins and I decided that we're going to get up in the, in the church on that following Sunday and sing a couple of songs. Yeah, and so we would listen to the radio because that was our, our only outlet really to uh, 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 what was going on in the musical world, gospel or otherwise. Uh, so we, we, we'd get in the corners of, at school or wherever and get a little harmony thing going. And these things, you know, the that, music is rooted in gospel. That whole concept of doo-wop music is rooted in gospel. And that's what uh, we picked up on at a very early early age. And I was able to uh, uh, stand up with the, in the confidence of my, my cousins, <laughs> you know, we braved each other up, so to speak. And uh, we, we'd get up on Sunday and uh, every opportunity we got, we'd get up and sing. And uh, that was how it began, you know, that's how we started. Music provides an escape um, for a lot of people in their youth. I mean, uh, you, yes. you know, your situation is a lot different to when I was brought up, but music provided a massive escape to me as someone who sort of wanted to just get away from my childhood, wanted to get away from what I felt my situation was back then. I look at it differently today, obviously. And it, and it was a wonderful escape. So was this radio in effect, 
the means to escape your own situation in your own world in the beginning? It was like, yeah, it was like Alice through the looking glass, or if you want to call it. It was my, that I, my aunt, an aunt of mine, my mother's sister, gave me for Christmas a little transistor radio, red, sort of cranberry red radio. I can see it now with my eyes wide open. <laughs> uh, and, and, and that listening to this uh, 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 radio late at night when I should have been asleep, my grandmother shouting at me, turn that thing off and go to sleep. <laughs> you know, you got school first thing in the morning. That, that kind of business was going on. And I would, uh, th this little radio was my, it was my periscope, if you will, to the outside world. All, everything came in through that radio and in my dreams, everything went out back out through this radio because uh, it shone a light on what was possible uh, from, for one hour, Steve, for one hour on any given night around 11 o'clock in Florida, 11 o'clock at night, you, 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 you're able to tune into this one station and for that one hour they played R&B music, they played a, 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 a mixture of gospel and R&B and, and, and so forth. And it was my, oof, it, I knew what I wanted to be from that moment. So yeah, it was my escape. It was my route out. It was the cannon that shot me out like a cannonball. <laughs> I mean, there were other things that happened before you actually left, but mm -hmm. you also learned to play the trumpet, didn't you? How did that come about? Very quickly, my cousin, uh, my girl cousin, uh, just a few years older than I, arrived back from school one day, got off the school bus with this little case in her hand, and I said, what's that? She opened it up. And it was like, woof, excuse my expression, it was like opening up a coffin because the, the inside of this case was like the kind of material that you should see inside of a coffin. And I jumped back for a second and go, oh, I'm not sure I want to touch this thing. What is it? She, it was a cornet, which uh, a smaller version of a trumpet, if you will. And uh, she had picked it up at school. Uh, bandmaster told her, yes, you can learn to play this instrument if any of your uh, cousins or so forth would like to come in and have a look. They, we can get them into the music system in the school. So that was my beginning. I was hooked. I uh, went in the, into the band room the next day and uh, 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 arrived back home with this case. <laughs> My grandmother, I took it out in the backyard and started uh, making this terrible noise with it, of course. And uh, my grandmother said, you will take that thing back tomorrow and uh, not bring it back again. <laughs> it's too much noise. You know, mama, grandma, I'm going to play it outside. It's okay. Don't worry. No, no. And I was, I think, uh, if anything, uh, Steve, it was, uh, it gave me a sense of motivation. It gave me, my grandmother telling me, you can't do that was my motivation to, to prove that I was going to do it and, 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 and it was going to be something that uh, I hung on to. So um, in that sense of the word, in hindsight, once again, it was a wonderful moment for me because I proved something to myself and I think maybe to my grandmother that, uh, yeah, if you want something and you stay with it, then uh, you'll gain some respect for doing that. So. Uh, how much, how much pressure did you have on you to, to, to have an education and actually not just sort of go 
straight in like a cannonball into the world of music. <laughs> oh, it was total. Uh, uh, it was not a case of uh, this is what I want to do. And, uh, you know, sod school, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do music. It, it didn't work that way. I had to uh, adhere to the fact that uh, my parents were raising me uh, and 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 I had to adhere to the policies, you know, the, the rules, the ground rules that said, uh, you'll finish high school, you'll go to college, your university, and you'll get some, uh, some professional, uh, uh, what, whatever you call, uh, education under your belt. And then if you decide that uh, after that, you want to go and uh, uh, risk having some sort of a musical thing as a sideline, then fine. But first thing you're going to do is get yourself a good education because uh, that's what's going to see you through this world. So I had to do that. I stayed at university for a couple of years, reached a point when I said, I ain't going to do this no more. <laughs> and, and I stopped doing it. I went on the road with a band. So uh, at least I, I made the effort to, to adhere to my, 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 my folks' uh, wishes in terms of an education. And I got that under my belt, and I'm glad for that. So tell me about this period that you went on on tour with a band, because if it was your first band, what were you doing in the band? And also, where did you go and what was the reaction to that band? OK, um, this band uh, formed in Columbus, Ohio. That's why I finished uh, high school and a couple of years of university. Uh, I hooked up with uh, some local guys who were traveling a lot. One guy had a, a band, he had traveled a lot around the East Coast of America, up into Canada, etc. And uh, he said to me, uh, I hear you, uh, I hear you singing and I hear you playing a little bit of trumpet and uh, come down and, and let's talk about uh, uh, maybe joining the band. This guy had a local rec reputation of, uh, yeah, some degree of success, you know, so that was an opportunity. I went down, we talked, he came over to my house, we talked. We drove around in the car, went to went for hamburgers and things, <laughs> French fries, all of that, <laughs> and, uh, and and ended up uh, with me joining the band. The first, uh, I think the first traveling we did was up to Boston. Boston, then up to Canada, traveling around up and down that side of the East Coast of America. And uh, that was my introduction. Uh, one sweet story for me, my memory uh, uh, tells me that uh, most of the time in that first band, I was the guy st standing in the background playing the trumpet. And the guy or the lady, whatever, was out front on the microphone singing was the one who was getting all the attention. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so, so I went, whoa, uh, maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe I, I should like sort of nudge myself to the front of this band and so and get my get my hands on the microphone <laughs> so I, it's interesting because maybe not the best analogy but when i see now photographs of Jimi hendrix when he was playing guitar way in the back for the isley brothers and with uh, with uh, uh, little richard and all of these guys you think well uh, what would not have happened if he'd stayed back there 
being uh, uh, satisfied with being uh, the guy back in the shadows in the background with somebody else out front doing the business, you know? So yeah, it was a moment, it was a moment of, 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 of great revelation for me, that first opportunity on the road, because I got to see what was capable, what was possible, and build some confidence as a result. Yeah, wonderful. Everyone gets AT&T's best deal on the new iPhone 14 Pro with the incredible camera. So people currently listening to comedy podcasts and people listening to political podcasts and people listening to true crime podcasts who actually can't stop listening to true crime podcasts and it's ruling their lives. The point is everyone, new and existing customers. Ask how to get up to $800 off the new iPhone 14 Pro with eligible trade-in. Visit att.com or our stores for details. Terms and restrictions may apply. It was also in an era of pre-civil rights or around that period where civil rights yeah. uh, were being finally talked about. And it must have been difficult being on the road. And um, I can't imagine, obviously, how you must have been treated sometimes or how it must have been as, as a, a black person in that period. So along with these sort of wonderful highlights and a wonderful process, I, I imagine there's also um, a sort of painful memory uh, attached to it as well. Could you tell me a little bit about what it was like back then? I can give you a for instance, uh, Steve. Um, I remember an occasion when uh, I was just, I think, still at university, still trying to get my, find my feet in, in, in doing music for, 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 for real, for, 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 for a career. And uh, we were, we, we'd driven a car, we got in a car, five of us, we were looking for a record deal. We were trying to get signed to a record company. Cincinnati, Ohio was the home of uh, a record label called King Records. King Records had at that time James Brown and the famous Flames. That was before James Brown became the James Brown that we associate his name with now and his face with now. We were <clears throat> we'd driven up to Cincinnati, had a meeting with this uh, some people in this record company, King's, King Records, and uh, we were waiting for an outcome few days we got no no uh, no no uh, reply from our audition if you will the audition by the way was just a simple version of, of standing at reception <laughs> in king at king records just boring the hell out of the receptionist singing one song after another all that business you know until she's okay okay you can go in and see the nr guy fighter just leave me alone you know that kind of uh anyway <laughs> a quick aside but uh the point was that uh, uh we, we we did this audition, if you will, and uh, uh, got no reply. We're sitting around, we're sleeping in the car, basically, waiting for some kind of word back uh, to say, yeah, come back or no, forget it, whatever. And so while we're waiting, uh, 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 what happens? We're sleeping in the car. The driver of the car, we call him Big Boy, because that, that, that was his nickname. He was the not such a great singer, but he had a car, you know? <laughs> so that's why he was in the band in the first place. <laughs> so big boy uh, 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 
took it upon himself to go out uh, looking for something we knew nothing about until he arrived back and said, hey, guys, we got a flat tire. And uh, I went to try and find a tire, and, but I didn't find one. We, we got a problem. About 15 minutes later, while we're scratching our heads, wondering what we're going to do about this situation we're in, a man arrives, a redneck, if you will, <laughs> with a gun. And we look up, and this guy has got the gun that just resting on the on the windscreen of the of our car, saying, "Everybody out of the car." Uh, you tried. To, obviously, our man, Big Boy, had uh, tried to to nick a tire because we had no money. We, to nick a tire so we could get a spare onto the car and get out as quick as we could. The long and short of the story was. Uh, we all wound up uh, uh, before the uh, uh, the local police, trying to get some uh, 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 well, trying to make some sense out of this situation because four out of the five of us knew nothing about this thing having happened in the first place. But the fact that this man saw no other recourse than to arrive at our car, and we're sleeping, and put aim his, the barrel of his gun at the windscreen of our car and say, well, uh, I, 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 I make a citizen's arrest. You're all under arrest for trying to steal from my, uh, my junkyard or whatever it was, you know? So that kind of situation was not, it was no, it was not, it was sad news, but not big news. Uh, the kind of thing that occurred quite often. You're listening to Pop, The History Makers, with me, Steve Blame. Tell me about when you recorded your first, you, you know, when you actually recorded your first track. I think it was um, Susie's Gone, wasn't it? Yes. <laughs> now, I listened to that today. I'll tell you what struck me about it, which is really interesting. It was almost like a misuse of your voice because your voice has this amazing, wonderful tonal quality. And then this explosion of voice can come out, you know, like it has yeah. such an amazing depth and such a range. And Thank that you. song sort of didn't use that range. It was like, was it something that was just, you know, given to you, you're gonna sing this, this is gonna be your first record? Pretty much, you pretty much nailed it. Uh, it was um, for a naive guy like me, uh, just trying to find his feet and, uh, uh, and have a career, uh, you, you, you grabbed at whatever straws you could. Uh, in hindsight, uh, well, you make mistakes. You, you make bad decisions about the, the songs that you choose. And I was always uh, hoping and praying to get myself in a position where I could write songs uh, to, 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 to alleviate that pressure of where's the song gonna come from, you know? Uh, and uh, once again, it was the part of my career that I look back on now in hindsight and wish that I'd uh, earlier on got my hands on a piano or guitar or something. I chose the trumpet. A trumpet is not a song for uh, uh, an instrument for writing songs. It, it's a, it is what it is. It's a brass instrument. And in hindsight, I would have uh, learned the piano, enough basic chords, etc. To be able to um, to express myself, put 
chords together, write songs and get that together. That didn't come to much later, much later. Yeah, you say that, but that Jimmy Radcliffe song that you recorded, You're Mine, You Are Mine, yeah. this this one. I mean, that has, that really expresses, you know, it shows the power of your voice. And I, I listened to that this morning and I was thinking, wow, that is a great song. So I think there are, you know, like <laughs> you, you say as sort of mistakes. I don't think, I think there are only experiences in life and not really mistakes that, that yeah. take you on a, some form of a journey. And that song, I thought that, was, that song was wonderful and it really, um, you know, showed the potential in, uh, of your voice. Well, thank you, Steve. And for, especially for uh, pointing out the fact, and it is a fact, it, there's no such thing as a mistake. It's what you do after it. <laughs> It's what you do after that thing that you didn't feel so good about. That's what important. That's that's the important thing. Miles Davis put it very well. He said, "There's not just, no such thing as a bad note. It's only the note that you play after it, <laughs> you know, that corrects itself and makes what you did before sound great because it's uh, there's cohesion, so forth." So you're right. You're right about that. Thank you. The sixties seemed to be an era where you were finding yourself musically um, yeah. and finding your your sort of root through uh this world in a sense mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. and you joined up and i hope i get the name right with carl sally who was a, yes. a famous saxophonist and had yes. a band um i presume then you were the trumpeter in that band or yes, a trumpeter correct. in that band can you tell Big me about trumpet. that experience and what it what it gave you as a as a performer to be in something like that well, Carl Sally's band was, in fact, the band that I traveled from Columbus, Ohio, up to Boston and into Canada with. And uh, we did uh, gigs around New York. We played some, uh, at the time, pretty f uh, uh, famous venues in New York City. Oh, there was a place called Small's Paradise, which is a, a, uh, uh, had begun like a kind of uh, a place with big R&B reviews, big chorus line of dancers, etc. But they'd also do things like uh, uh, small uh, jazz quartets and, 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 and the kind of music that we were doing with Carl Sally, which was covers of R&B stuff, a little bit of uh, uh, the commercial side of jazz. And, 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 and there I was, as I was saying to you before, I was playing the trumpet mainly. Uh, we had two lady singers out front. And I, it was that that particular point in time that I pulled the two ladies aside one night and said, hey, look, we need to do something together because, uh, you know, I got this idea for some for some vocals and we can share and we can do it and blah, 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 and so forth. And that was, uh, that was a very uh, crucial time for me because it was me moving out of being uh, noted as a trumpet player in the back to a guy who could come up front and, and, and grab the microphone and sing a few tunes as well. So that was crucial for me. It was a, it was a crossroads. Yeah. How was that first experience then? You know, you say these two ladies, you, you talked to them and said, hey, you know, I can, I should be there too, or I can do that too, and we should do <laughs> something together. I mean, you yeah. know, people aren't always that open. They're sort of like saying, oh, well, hang on a minute, this is mine, this is yeah. my area, <laughs> keep out. Yeah. You know, I don't know yeah. how it goes. Um, um, so was it a case of they were very open about it and, and allowed you or did you really have to sort of push your way in and how was the reaction, you know, on the first time that you performed in front of an audience with them? 
Okay, for a start, I was scared right out of my pants for, 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 for trying coming up with this kind of, you're sticking your neck out a yard here, you know, if I, you, you, you're subject to get kicked out the band, and, and uh, that's not such a convenient thing if you're, if you're that uh, few thousand miles away from home. <laughs> so um, it, was, it was courage. Uh, it was, I was scared to do it, but I knew I had to. Uh, in the same way that I knew I had to uh, hang on to that trumpet when Grandma said uh, you can't do that no more, uh, and this, it was the same kind of um, uh, 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 feeling that if you don't do it now, you're never gonna, and uh, that's what pushed me to the front of the bandstand. That's what made me uh, 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 gave me the impetus to do it. And once I had done it, once I made that step. And and showed that I was, I was uh, uh, qualified. <laughs> I was I was getting the result from the audience, getting kind of response from the audience that the band had maybe lacked a bit of before. Then ah, some lights started to come on, and 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 it changed my life. It changed the life of the band. The the duration of the rest of the time I was in this band, we got better shows, we got better venues to play. And, 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 and so it kind of proved itself. And that's, uh, wow, <laughs> that was a big step for me. Now we mentioned the 60s with, with civil rights, mentioned your sort of journey through the, through the 60s as it were. Um, mm -hmm. The 60s was also an era of new sexual freedom, freedoms of openness. It had the Vietnam War. I mean, yep. it was a, it was a very mixed bag of <laughs> everything. Ooh. The sixties, in some way, and you were in a musical that essentially defines that era. And yeah. I, you know, and um, and that was Hair. Can yes. you tell me about the role you played in that musical and about being in that musical at that time? Because it caused such a reaction when it came out, didn't it? It was, there was a, there was a movement against her and it also inspired um, a movement against Vietnam. You know, Aquarius was a song that became an anthem against Vietnam in some ways. Absolutely. So can you tell me about that? Well, okay, uh, to paint the, uh, uh, the backstory, a bit of backstory to my arriving in here, I had been two years in the, in, in, in the US military. I was two years in the in American army and uh, drafted, fought to stay out, didn't succeed, went in, did my bit for two years, came out and tried to get some traction back in my musical career. Uh, I had been fortunate enough in the army to play in the in the in the army band in uh, Atlanta, Georgia, which a wonderful place to be. Uh, the musical uh, uh, atmosphere in Atlanta, Georgia, at that time was just electric. Uh, so, uh, because of the civil rights movement, because of these things, and in spite of a lot of uh, discouragement, and so forth. So that was the kind of uh, atmosphere at. Uh, under which I arrived back in Boston after being in the military to uh, to, to try and find my, my career again, get it back and, and move on. And uh, I had worked around the clubs and uh, venues around Boston, New York City, so forth, did some television and got wind of uh, auditions coming up for this musical here. Uh, oof, you know, I at that point in time, the music from here was already kind of global, you know, uh, let the sun shine, all this music was already 
widely popular. And so the Boston production of Hair was the one that I was auditioning for, but I did the audition in New York City because I was there working in clubs, etc. I got uh, uh, past the first, second audition. They said, okay, we may have a part for you in the Boston production as the black lead in the, in, in, in the show. So, okay, thank you. <laughs> I know Boston well. So, uh, and, and, and I had a bit of an audience there from my previous days, my, my career up to that point. So uh, it was with a lot of uh, the feelings that I had being in the military, the things that were going on while I was in the military, uh, the whole Vietnam situation, everything was going on that, at that point. Uh, and also at that point in time was Woodstock. <laughs> all of this, all, wow, what, what uh, 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 an explosive, electrifying time to be alive, you know? And, and there I was right in the middle of, of all of this cultural upheaval, if you will, and, 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 and having gotten this role which defined in its way, it, it, was a, it was groundbreaking sort of show in its time here. So uh, it was a, it was a, uh, wow, I, I can't, I can't express what it meant to me to, to, to achieve that role and to stay with that show for two years. It was one of the wonderful things in my life. So tell me what it was like being the president of the United States of Love, which was the character <laughs> of HUD. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's. Uh, <laughs> it was it, it, it was interesting because if you saw uh, a production of Hair in London or you saw a production in New York, San Francisco, wherever the show uh, uh, played, and it played most major cities around the world, Sydney, Australia, everywhere, uh, it, every one of the lead characters certainly had a different approach to how they played the character. Uh, and that's what made it interesting. Uh, we, as uh, the lead character uh, for HUD, character of HUD in, in, in Boston, I got the opportunity, uh, kind of an open ticket to fly to all the other productions around and have a look and research what my character was doing in other productions of the show. So my character, uh, I, 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 I don't think I've ever come across as this uh, tough, mean, badass guy. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's never been my persona, but it's amazing what happens to you when you draw, when you start to draw on your childhood, when you start to draw on your life experiences up to that point and what's going on in the world around you at that point in time. And it made me, uh, it brought out some meanness that I didn't, I hadn't realized that I had. And it was very important to show that dark side because that's what the character is about. He's, he's many things, Hud, uh, uh, and uh, he's many things to many people. Uh, he's, so, so I got to see this whole prism of what this character was and how I could bring my own life experience to it, which is what made it everything to me. Tell me how you entered the stage. <laughs> you remember? <laughs> I'm, oh, I came out. Uh, uh, I think the first 
featured number for her is uh, he flies out onto the stage from the darkness and, and he, he sort of uh, 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 slides in on his knees like the footballers do when they've just scored a goal. <laughs> yeah! I mean, um, and, and he sings this song, his is introductional uh, piece of music. Good Lord, I hope I can remember the melody. I can't right now. But in so many words, he's saying, I'm here. I'm here to tell you I'm mirroring, I'm mirroring what you are and what we all are, and uh, this is what the world is now, and 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 all the badassness in the world is represented right here on this stage, and I'm your boy for that. <laughs> you know, that's basically what he was saying. I mean, isn't uh, it brilliant a... as well to look at that and say, you know, this is the lead black character in yeah. you know a world class, amazing production, and there you're coming on stage saying, I'm here. I'm here. There's also, you know, that has a power in itself in that. As Absolutely. Well, it's, 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 uh, it's, this character is mirroring what's going on in the world in, in, in racial terms, in political terms, in all kinds of social uh, behavioral terms. He's, he's, he's just saying, this is what you think I am. This is what I think you are. And this is where we got big problems as a society, you know, and, and, and you can take that any way you want, <laughs> you know, kind of vibe. Yeah, and it was a wonderful feeling, wonderful feeling. And on part two, we come up to date with the story of I've Been Thinking About You, the world chart topping success that finally came to Jimmy and his London Beat bandmates. Everyone gets AT&T's best deal on the new iPhone 14 Pro with the incredible camera. So, people currently listening to comedy podcasts, and people listening to political podcasts, and people listening to true crime podcasts who actually can't stop listening to true crime podcasts and it's ruling their lives. The point is, everyone, new and existing customers. Ask how to get up to $800 off the new iPhone 14 Pro with eligible trade-in. Visit att.com or our stores for details. Terms and restrictions may apply. 